What is up, gamers? Welcome back to another episode of the AOK Podcast. I'm your host and composer, Joseph Salmoni, joined today by my co-host and mad scientist. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm just an illustrious little inventor, and I'm uh, trying to <laughs> trying to keep everyone uh, keep every all my creations at bay. Yeah, my name is uh, Baxter Goodwin. Uh, uh, and yeah, no, my name's Adam and boy, oh boy, I was telling Joe before we recorded this, that this is kind of like the best episode we've ever done. This is like the best like yeah. banger after banger, uh, episode. So I just, I kind of want to like jump in right into it. Like I, yeah, uh, I mean, Adam and I, we, t- we talk a lot about like cinema in, in terms of years, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, earlier this year, I was kind of I was being a little I was being a little bitchy. And I was saying I thought that 2023 was a lesser year than 2022. But uh, as we come to the end of the year, uh, I think it we we I think it's slam. I think it's a slam dunk of a year. I think that we are out of the woods. We're getting good movies again. We're getting fucking good movies for adults, too. It's not just some fucking, you know, fucking. Trolls Three shit, you know we're getting the hey, which is a great fucking... movie. Sorry, sorry, but this, to this episode we got three R-rated movies, baby. Yeah, man. I uh, this is the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, this is like just it's the grown up talk. You know what I mean? Like this is this is for the big boys. So if you're not, you know, if you're not up for a little, you know, adult movies, if you, you know, no, no yo gabba gabba in this bullshit. Okay, we're mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking three auteur driven cinema like just the fucking cinema this week okay and these are three movies that i've been dying to talk about man uh mm-hmm. we're gonna start with may december uh the new todd haynes julianne moore uh natalie portman and put some motherfucking respect on his name charles melton joint mm-hmm. um this is uh yeah like i said the newest todd haynes joint uh which you know, I don't want to call you out or anything, but you're not like the biggest Todd Haynes fan that I know. Yeah, I saw Carol when I was 15, and I was like stupid, and I just kind of went on with my life. And then I, you get older, and everybody's like, "No, that's the greatest movie ever made, actually." And I'm like, "Nah, that shit's stupid." But um, <laughs> uh, so but after May December, I I die. I'm running back to see Carol, and I'm running back to see this guy's whole filmography. I'm but I'm I'm. I'm getting dark waters on Blu-ray, son. <laughs> yeah, I, for all the dark waters defenders, we're, we're feeling <laughs> very, uh, you know, we're, we're feeling we're feeling persevered here. We're, we're like we're we're winning. We're back up. Um, I'm a Todd Haynes fan, although I have not seen Far From Heaven. That's a blind spot for me. But um, I do love Carol. I think Dark Waters is quite good. Um, Safe is a fantastic film. Uh, so I I, I like. Uh, you know, Todd Haynes quite a bit. Uh, he's kind of in that. Uh, what's the guy who did Tar? I forgot the director of that. Uh, Todd Field. They got I kinda, Todd's. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, I think you know the Todds. They're in the similar category where I really respect them, but I think uh, you know, just to go right into it, I think May December is his best film. I think that mm-hmm. this is just like uh, this is uh, a staggering feat of filmmaking. This is a uh, this is this is next level. This is like this is like your you know, God asked you if you want to see heaven, and then he opens the gates, and this is what you see. This is... Yeah. Movies I, uh, are bad. You know, I wasn't, as as a, as a as somebody who slept on Carol, um, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to this, honestly. I just RSVP'd to the screening because I wanted to see my friends. 
And I was at the New York Film Festival, and uh, this wasn't showing uh, when I was there, and I didn't really take note of it. And uh, we go to the screening, and uh, I mean, this is why you watch movies, man. This knocked my goddamn, my gosh darn, sorry to the Christian listeners, well, knocked my gosh darn socks off. Uh, I imagine this is what it's like when you when when you watch a football game and the team you wanted wins, because I... This was so. This movie fucks. This movie, and I know that 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 kind of that lexic, that kind of way of talking gets thrown around a lot. But this movie in particular, this May December is fucking amazing. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I, uh, man, where do we even fucking start with this movie, man? I, <laughs> I had a similar-ish experience where I really liked Todd Haynes, but I wasn't like going into this expecting like, a masterpiece or anything. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I would say most anticipated of the year or anything. I was going into it expecting like, yeah, that'll be a great movie. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be really good. It'll be a great eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. I'll really respect it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Dude, this movie is like a masterpiece. This is a, yeah. this, this is a flawless film. I think this is like a stunning execution, uh, a truly delicate balancing act of tone and approach and style and I think one wrong move could have deterred the entire thing into a complete mess. Mm-hmm. But this is a film that is done with precise direction and uh, writing from. And uh, if you, what who's the writer's name? Uh, Sammy Birch. And there's Sammy? also a, there's another uh, writer on there uh, named Alex uh, Mechanic. I, I mean that's how it reads. M E C H A N I K. But yeah, so like those two, I mean, this is a killer screenplay. This is like a next level, like Mm -hmm. you analyze the fuck out of this movie after it ends kind of screenplay. Um, The basic premise is, and I'm going to try to be a little bit vague because I actually didn't really fully know what this was about before I went in. And I think that adds a lot to it. But, um, you know, Julianne Moore and Charles Moulton play a couple where they have a very questionable past and um, Natalie Portman, or then they, you know, they, they're a couple that have like a, uh, you know, questionable past. And it, it was a very tabloid heavy relationship. And uh, Natalie Portman is an actress who is, uh, you know, spending about a week or two with them. And she's about to play Julianne Moore in a feature film. And she's you know, spending time with them to kind of, you know, learn about them and, get inspiration for the performance and uh the film just kind of takes off from there it's a character drama but it's also about you know tabloids and you know uh society and how we are obsessed with you know sensationalizing things and how are we responsible for you know that and uh performance and what it means to mm-hmm. perform and art and um media and relationships and you know trauma and oh my god like so many different mm. little like little nooks and crannies here and there it's about so many different little things and it just compiles into this really staggering masterpiece i think it, it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I was floored by this movie yeah it's i mean like you said it's the everything is firing at at a level but the at, a, at the highest level i mean everybody's on their a game in this movie but in particular, the screenplay is just this kind of this this uh, it it feels novelistic in a way. It's such a dense film. 
a lot like tar where tar or it is kind of this like you said you're talking about all these things that it's about and those are all roads you can go down in the movie and it's kind of it's kind of which thread do you want to follow this time around this is a movie i'm dying to rewatch. i think it's horseshit netflix isn't doing a wide release uh put it on blu-ray you bitches uh, you sons of bitches and uh i think that may december it's just such a i mean I said movies for adults at the top, but this is this movie. Like you said, one wrong step, this movie it puts you in director jail. This puts you in yep. writer jail. This puts you in actor jail. This is a this movie is a tightrope walk to behold. Um, and the fact that the, the the subject matter is so kind of you know without spoiling anything is very dark. Uh, it gets very yeah. dark. It gets very questionable, morally questionable. And the humor, the film has this kind of. I was describing it to somebody as I wouldn't say the movie is a comedy, but uh, comedy is one of the ingredients that the movie is cooking with um, where mm-hmm. the movie you'll be watching a scene and out of nowhere, you're like, is this scene hilarious? And then you're like, wait, is this scene heartbreaking? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. It's one of those great, exciting. It's exciting to watch this movie because you have no idea what it's going to do. You have no yeah. idea how it's going to do it. And it's this perfect marriage of, of Todd Haynes has this kind of he I heard him describe it as like a mach- if for this because he, I, 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 he seems like a guy who kind of he kind of project to project he kind of changes the the car he's driving you know what i mean he kind mm-hmm. of that one yeah. he kind of he, he's kind of a very flexible director and this because i don't remember carol being anything like this uh but um this movie it's kind of got this um like bergman kind of voyeuristic feel but then there's this mischievousness kind of throughout that i i just couldn't get enough of that it's the most like there's this sense that he's snickering behind the camera the whole time it's got that and it's similarly to last year with tar where you're like is this whole movie a big joke like is this is this movie a prank (laughs) on me right now like what is he making fun of me for watching this like and yeah. it's just, uh, and then too, the the performances are excellent. The, the particularly Julianne Moore and um, Natalie Portman give an amazing kind of doubleheader. And like you said, Charles Melton is uh, kind of a he's like knocking on the Hollywood's door, like I should be in everything now because he's super fucking great. The supporting actors actors are great. Um, there's uh, Julianne Moore's son from a previous marriage has one scene where he kind of steals the movie. Uh, it's just everybody's everybody is so so good in this. Shot in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, I think I said this to you at the screening, but I want to say it on the podcast. Um, the theater, I shot a short film in Savannah called Things You're Looking Up, and the location is in the background of one of the shots. Yeah, so. very significant scene, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies where you don't know how you're supposed to feel about anything, in mm-hmm. even until after it's over. You're yeah. still questioning it. And like all great movies, that's how you mm-hmm. should feel. I think you should still be thinking about it and discussing it and talking about it after it's over. It's one of those movies that's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, but it's also one of those movies that I don't know if you could spoil. It's just kind of like thematically, I think, less so story-wise, just thematically a movie where I feel like you should go into it kind of blind mm-hmm. because I I mean, I had a friend, a uh, friend of the, uh, the pod, I was talking with, with uh, Alan French about this, fellow CACF member. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, another board member of ours, uh, Josh was, um, you know, he's like, should I, I don't really know anything about this. Should I watch the trailer first? And me and Alan immediately had a different answer for Josh. <laughs> I said, 
yes, go in, right now I said, no, go, go in blind. And Alan's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I think this is really heavy subject matter. And I think you should know what you're getting into before you get into it. And I'm like, I disagree because I went into it completely blind. And I think that is the way to go because it is mm-hmm. like a immersive, mesmerizing experience if you have mm-hmm. no clue what this movie's about. Well, too, it, it's, a, it's a film that reveals, it slowly reveals itself to you, and by the end, you feel like it still hasn't shown its full hand. You know, it's... Yeah. And two, I mean, like you said, it is, it's, the film is kind of broadly about truth, mm. um, and it, so it, it is hard to talk about the film in any real concrete way without spoiling it, um, but just the way that it examines that and the kind of that each scene, it, it kind of, honestly, I mean, this is kind of a, maybe, I don't know how you'll feel about this conversation. It reminded me of The Master, mm-hmm. uh, where every scene, you're like, what? Like, the movie keeps getting, the more the movie goes on, the weirder it gets, and the more confusing these relationships get, and the more, it's like, the movie is never, you're, oh, it's, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a film that forces you to actively be into it, because the film is like, you are a part of this, because you have to, you have to figure this out. We're just presenting this to you. And it's the perfect kind of, uh, it's a, everything you want out of a movie. I mean, it's, I, it's, I really didn't expect to, to love it as much as I did. It's, I remember just thinking while you're watching it, like, this is, this is a movie for grownups. This is a great fucking movie. This is what we should be making as a country, uh, <laughs> as an industry. And, uh, it's just, you know, it's that, it's that great. I just think it's, it's a perfect kind of, this movie is just everybody came together at the right time and the right place to make it. And two, that it, this was a, I don't know if you know this, but this wasn't something that was like in development for a while. They just sent the script to Todd Haynes and he was like, yeah, let's make it. And then they cast everybody and they started shooting it. Like it wasn't like this, like it feels like this film that he's been, has been kind of like a tar where it's 17 years to make this. He just got the, it's just the perfect kind of meeting of time and the crossing of wires. And they just made this kind of full out masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense, honestly. Like I, but also in, in another way, it doesn't because it feels like that's something that, especially something with like so meticulous and something with such like heavy subject matter, it feels like something you have to like mentally prepare for, mm-hmm. for a long time. So the fact that like Todd Haynes can even just yeah. like kind of come into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, a, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot imagine. And then he just casually just makes the best one of his entire career. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, just like, that's fucking crazy to me. Um, yeah. I've been prepping a movie with Joaquin Phoenix that was supposed to shoot that right. stopped because of COVID. And then I guess this script was like a hot script during the COVID because all anybody could do was read scripts during COVID. So I guess this was like a hot script and it just got sent to him and he was like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy, but I, I, I can kind of see Todd Haynes being that kind of guy. So <laughs> I think yeah. that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I think Julianne Moore in this movie is next level. Natalie Portman's really great, but yeah, Charles Melton in this movie. I think he's the guy. That's the guy you talk about when you mm-hmm. talk about this movie. Well, he's uh, really the heart of the film. He's really and to the screenwriter said said that that character was the one that was her way into the story. That's how she started writing it was with him. Yeah, his um. I mean, there are like when you talk about like there are moments where you don't know if you should be laughing, and a lot of that also spawns with like him, uh, mm-hmm. where he gives like I mean there are like genuinely funny points with his character, but there is like something I think where I would say he's like the most tragic character I've seen in like a, a film in like years. Uh, and there's, he just, so without like giving it fully away, like he, you know, obviously he's a guy who had a lot of shit happen to him as a kid. And the way he like plays the character, he's like, he's this guy where 
his, his entire life has passed him by before he can even like internalize it. And mm-hmm. he is, he's a guy where he's like 30 something and he already has his kids going to college, but he still has like the mannerisms of a child. Like mm-hmm. he has the like emotional capacity of like a young boy. And he is often unsure of how to feel about things or respond to things. He's a very, um, almost submissive presence in the lives of like the women around him. And it, it's like a very like tragic, like feel because like i mean it, it serves for like some you know kind of compelling laughs at points but it you know when you laugh at it you also like there's an undertone of like oh i feel bad because like mm. this guy is like tragic and it i mean there's a scene on the rooftop and like yeah. you know when you see it like it's it's funny at first but then he says something and it like breaks your heart and i i don't know man it's just it's such a delicate balancing act this entire yeah. movie and <laughs> i and too, i, I mean you're talking about the kind of like the characters, the the female characters in this movie. These two, these two lead characters. It's so nice to just see some some nasty ass women in movies. I mean, these characters, these two, <laughs> this this Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore's character, are they just? I mean, and they they're too again kind of that 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 fearlessness that they're just like particularly with Julianne Moore, she's like, I'm playing the fuck out of this character. Like, this is like, you can tell these are both, these are meaty roles for these two actresses. And they just kind of plow ahead full force. You could see, again, it's like you said, any misstep would, would completely be a disaster. And these two actresses are just, I think, fearlessly blowing ahead with these kind of, these violently complex people. Um, and yeah, or maybe not. And, uh, that's, uh, and it's a joy to watch. It's uh, again, this is kind of your dream when you're watching a movie. Just a sneaky ten out of ten comes out of nowhere. You were yeah. it was you were aware of it, but not necessarily. You know, this wasn't on. This, we didn't even know this was coming out at the beginning of the year. This is exactly. This is why you watch movies, and this is why. Uh, you know, and and now I'm 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 now I'm like I got to see everything Todd Haynes has ever made. I got to follow this uh, this screenwriter her whole career. This is just uh, it's you know it's you know thank thank you. Thank you, Netflix. For thank you, Netflix. Thank I guess. Netflix. Yeah, I think to broader conversation, we give a lot of shit to Netflix, but how many masterpieces do they have to give us for us to forgive <laughs> them? Because I mean, The Irishman, fucking this movie, fucking The Killer was pretty great. I the mean, Killer, Magnificent. What is it? The Ridiculous Six. Like it's like we're getting so many. The Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Maestro, come on. Maestro, fucking yeah. White Noise and, and Glass Onion. It's like they, they're giving us they're giving us some good food. Roma, for Christ's sakes. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think this is pretty top tier as far as like Netflix originals go. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like this is this is up there. I think it's like right under the Irishman. I would personally put it like above a Roma. Personally, just I would saying. need to rewatch all of them, but oh. I bet net. I bet a twenty four is like fuck. How did we not get this one? Yeah, it does kind of have that quality to it, but I um, I don't know, man. I fucking astonishing. I loved it. I loved every minute of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, worst transition of all time. But speaking of another movie that I think we both loved every minute of, uh, a little ditty called. Poor Things, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, uh, you know, I gotta represent 
as a as a Greek man, I gotta <laughs> you know represent as one of the only working high profile Greek directors out there right now. I, I get a little jazzed every time I see one of my boys killing it. Uh, you know, you know, we didn't we we weren't scoring too hot this year with Big Fat Greek Wedding Three. You know, <laughs> we're not we're not doing too great in that arena. But you know, I got my boy Yorgos in here for poor things and. Um, damn, dude. I mean, I, I, you told me, I think that I kind of turned you on to your ghost. I think I did. I had seen the lobster, uh, when it came out. So I think I was like 13 or when did it come out? 2015, 16, 16. So yeah. I was 15 or 16 when it came out. I saw the favorite in 2018 or 2018, right? 2019? Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was, and I was like, Oh, I loved, I love the favorite too. I think the favorite's excellent. Uh, the lobster is a really great movie, but I was kind of just walking around in life, you know? Not really, you know, I love those movies, just kind of going about my day. And then you were like, Joe, you got to see Killing of a Sacred Deer. You're going to love it. And I was like, oh, really? And then I watched it, and I've, I've fallen head over heels, and I've since rewatched The Lobster and the Favorite. And now those are all among my favorites. I've seen Dog Tooth. They're all among my favorites. So I'm a huge, you you definitely, I was aware of him. I, I It's kind of the, what's the meme? It was, I wasn't familiar with your game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Shaq I wasn't yeah. Familiar, yeah. I wasn't familiar with his game in the sense that I was a fan, but I didn't know how much of a fan I really was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, and this movie too, Poor Things, is one that it was announced like three years ago, and I think it has been on my top ten most anticipated for three years in a row now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is a it has been a long road to poor things. Um it was I think it was my most anticipated of this year, if I recall. Yeah, uh, I mean yeah, it's so I think wasn't it also on your last year one, I think? Yeah, like, I think uh, it was I think it's been number one on my list two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those uh interesting predicaments, I think. Um yeah, I mean, poor things. It, it it does feel a bit surreal that we're even talking about it because it does feel like I've been waiting for it forever. Um, I remember reading the synopsis for it, I think, even before it fully shot. Mm-hmm. And do you I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but like back when like the synopsis was out, I was like, I think I remember talking to you during like one of the episodes. And I was like, what the fuck does this movie even look like? Like, what is this even going to be? Mm-hmm. I'm like, is it modern day? Is it a period piece? Is it like satirical? Is it serious? Is it horror? Is it comedy? I'm like, I like I read that synopsis over and over again. And I'm just like, I don't know what this movie's gonna be, and I can't wait to see whatever it's gonna be. And the answer was yes. It's yes. <laughs> Dude, this movie, um, so I, I was getting uh, uh, a little jealous because you did see it a little bit earlier than I did, mm-hmm. and you were really hyping it up. And I was kind of like, okay, Joe, like don't don't <laughs> don't overhype it for me, buddy. Like I don't, I can't take it, you know, an overhyped Yorgos movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you were you were very persistent. You were like, Adam, this is like, this is a masterpiece. And I was like, okay, you know, all right, I'll, you know, I'm I'm going in. And you know, we got to the theater. I sat down with you for your second viewing, my first viewing. Um, did you have any nerves about how I was feeling about this movie? Like, did you were you worried at all that I wasn't gonna like respond to it the same no, way? No, I knew. I mean. I, I've been known to I think I've I've overhyped films in the past, but this movie I think is such a uh, uh kind of um an achievement that I knew that you would I, I, I think that this is kind of the I mean at a certain point it's like this is we we talk about classics, like instant classics or whatever, mm-hmm. but this is one that's right out the bat, like a kind of an undeniable film. So I was not I was this is the most confident I've been on a recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I um it it 
so I, for the first like 10 minutes, I was so bewildered by this movie mm-hmm. that as I am with most Yorgos movies, I think, I think the favorite is really the only Yorgos movie where it began and it was like relatively what I was expecting in a great way. It's a great movie, mm-hmm. but there's nothing like in the first like 10 minutes of the favorite where I was like, oh, that's weird. Or like, oh, that's, that's different than what I was expecting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, with like the lobster and especially killing with sacred deer, that movie, those movies begin, you're like, Oh shit. Okay. And, (laughs) and this has a similar quality where it starts off with the bang. I mean, Mm. it, 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 like, it doesn't like ease you into it at all. Yeah. It, it, it it begins and you're like, Oh, okay. Fuck. We're doing this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it does not let, it doesn't wait for you to get settled in. It doesn't wait for you to, you know, there's no adjustment period with Mm -hmm. this movie you're just asked to go along for the ride and uh joe i strapped in and uh i think this is like one of my new favorite movies of all time i think this is um this this is a 10 out of 10 it is a masterpiece it is a banger it is everything i look for in cinema (laughs) this is i i it, it basically checks all the boxes and then it adds a few more boxes and then it checks them too um I I'm in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's I came out of it like that's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's just, I mean it's so it's it too you come out in a haze because you're in the the what the film I think the reason is that this it, the film it builds this world that you live in and it's kind of this it's this it's a period piece but it's also kind of sci-fi but then it's also kind of this weird kind of surreal fantasy kind of storybook thing mm-hmm. um and, and like you said this the, the style is so in your face and so but i mean if you thought his other movies had a weird style this is him being like i was just i was warming up with those i had actually these are actually this is actually what i want to be doing uh and i mean too there was kind of a discussion about the a lot of discussion around his use of the fisheye lens and what it means Mm-hmm. Uh, to this narrative of the film i think with this film he's it's him being this is what i like this is how i do it this is what the characters are going to be like this is i just like that shot um and two i think what's so great about the film is that the style is so in your face and these images are so vivid and they're grotesque and they're beautiful uh but by the end of the film you kind of forget about it you forget that he's using the fisheye lens you forget that the world is it is this kind of bizarro kind of kind of nightmare dreamland that you're in and you're just with the characters and you're with the story and the the it's again it's just this um it's just it it's like a complete masterpiece and i i i mean i've been throwing around the 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 k word i've been comparing it to kubrick in the sense that he does he builds this world and he creates these images that they feel they just feel like they were supposed to be there and he i think yorgos has um as if I wasn't already a fan, this is he stepped it up in a major, major way. I think he's. I think we're, again, kind of. I think we're watching a goat form. I think that this is. A, I think he's one of the most exciting filmmakers working. I think, um, and I, I just am so. Again, it's how did this get made? How did the, and, and and how grateful I am that it is made. We've got every performance is excellent. It's got my man Rami Youssef in it, who does a great job. It's got uh, Mark Ruffalo giving an incredible all-time performance. Everybody's giving. I, could, I was just about to name the cast members, but I would name every single fucking cast member. Yeah, I mean, oh my god. I mean, if you want to go down like the cast list for this movie and just like 
name every single person because <laughs> truly i mean every single person in this movie like you said is pretty fucking phenomenal um i will say though i mean we we talked about it on the last episode where we did the oscar predictions but it, you know we'd be remiss not to talk about how good emma stone is in this movie because it is uh quite frankly the performance of a lifetime and mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's a, it's a double-edged sword because i think it's a performance of a lifetime but I also fully believe she's capable of topping it. Yeah. Well, that's because that was La La Land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Because I, you see La La Land, or even The Favorite, I would say. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic in The Favorite. And you're like, okay, yeah, like amazing. You're 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 giving a, a master, like I, whatever the term is, like a masterpiece of a performance. But like, you know, like she gives a perfect performance in two like different movies. I'd argue, even on top of that, she's like pretty transcendent in Birdman. Mm-hmm. you know she's i mean you know say what you will but easy a while it's a studio yeah. comedy, she's fucking fantastic in that movie also the, you throw the ties of movies in there I, yeah i mean she's great as gwen stacy she's mm-hmm. i i don't love the help but she's very good in that movie um <laughs> i you know even like there's some kind of like mid stuff that she was in like Battle of the sexes or, yeah where she's still great in it yeah like I, I you know not a good movie necessarily but like she's really good in it uh crazy stupid love um she's kind of a supporting role in super bad but she's great in it uh but you know you get where i'm going with this like she's great in in everything that she's in um even that uh fukunaga show the uh what's it called maniac maniac yeah um and we were talking about it uh on the last episode as well but um when it comes to uh you know the curse which is currently airing on showtime uh which you've seen what four episodes of three or? so i'm only one ahead of you yeah, yeah, because I, I, I've seen the first two and I, I'm loving it so far. And she's she's great in it. She's really great. Um, so she's just like really proving herself to be one of the best of all time already, I think. Um, and but like I said, though, all that is just paving the way to say that she is uh, she she gives the best performance I think I've seen in years from an actress in this movie. Um, she's she, she's quite frankly, like phenomenal in this. She is. Mm-hmm. This is like the performance that most actors strive their entire life to give. And she's 35. Yeah. Like that's, that's about it. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't even know how she pulled and, it off. You know, I said this about um, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore for May, December, but truly fearless performance. I mean, she kind of bears her soul in this film and it's this kind of, she's playing, it's one character, but it's kind of three and it's this kind of tricky type. Again, another actress you could see kind of f- fumbling the bag, fumbling the ball really hardly hard. But she is kind of again, it's that it's that fearless, full force. I'm going all fucking out for this. Um, and again, yeah, it's just one of the. It's it's like it's it's an all time great performance. Um, and again, she's she's in every scene of the movie. I think so. The movie, not in every scene, but she's in pretty much every scene of the movie. She her character's journey is the is the film. Um, mm-hmm. And you're with her the whole time, and there's never she's excellent. I mean, she's does she does so much, and uh, she never misses a step. Yeah, no, I mean she she is the heart and soul of the movie. She she really is. The journey that she goes on is, I mean, it's like you said. I, I don't mean just to re- repeat what you said, but like the journey that her character goes on is the journey that you go on with the film itself like everything her character says and expresses is what the film is trying to convey within its themes and when you know you have a performance that just embodies the very themes of the film so delicately but also is just so loose 
and it feels like a firecracker of a performance where anything can truly happen in any moment. Um, you know, that's something to champion. That's something to be like, holy shit, like this is like a once in a lifetime. Like, I'm so glad I get to experience a performance like this in a theater. You know what I mean? Like you get to like witness reactions to this performance. You get to experience it in real time, you know, in the zeitgeist. Like this is kind of the thing where, like I listened to my mom talk about like performances or like movies that she saw in like the seventies or eighties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she so tell me about the time she saw like um, uh, Kramer versus Kramer or something, right? And she'd be like, yeah, I remember like seeing that in a theater and like being blown away by Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'm always like so interested to like hear her talk about like what it was like to see like Sons of the Lambs opening weekend. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're in a similar position with like poor things where we're like in the prefaces of like, I don't know, just like experiencing an all time classic getting released to the world in real time. Yeah, It's just, I mean, it too, I, we kind of, that, that, that gets like thrown, a lot, I'll thrown around a lot, but it really is. I mean, this, and the fact that we're getting so many that, I mean, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, this, it's like, these are just these, these films. It's like, I mean, I'm going to be talking about, I, poor things. It just really, they feel like they're, they're around for a while. It feels like the life of these movies is kind of just getting started and kind of what's it going to be like to be born into a world where this movie already exists. You know, it, they just, they, these movies feel like they really have legs. Um, and kind of that too, that this film has a true kind of visionary quality to it. There's no other movie like this. This is the only movie like poor. This is the only movie in this genre. Um, and it, it just feels, again, it's like this perfect marriage of this material with Yorgos' sensibilities. Um, it's really weird to think that he didn't write this because this feels like it's from his fucking brain. It feels like these images and these sets and this weird music and this kind of bizarre kind of comedy. It's like, how does he, he's just, how lucky is he that he finds these kind of, these, this material that perfectly suits his sensibilities, you know? And it's yeah. this kind of weird book. It's not like a bit. Be- I mean, I think the book is popular, but it's not like, you know, it doesn't like David Fincher doing girl with the dragon tattoo or something like that. It's this kind of like, mm-hmm. it's like, what's going like, how did this, I mean, we're lucky that these ships crossed at this time. Uh, it's just, I mean, I, yeah, I love it. It's so, and to the cat, I mean, it's got the whole cast of on the count of three. And I'm, I love that <laughs> fucking movie. And my, my, one of my favorite comedians uh rami youssef uh, who's great uh Gerard carmichael um recently dropped uh maybe the best in a special ever rothaniel uh is in this so he's excellent as well um christopher abbott shows up at one point willem dafoe is amazing mark ruffalo uh gives maybe the best supporting performance of the year uh one of the all-time hilarious performances uh, he emma stone is great but in a way he steals the show he's just i mean my, my friend of the pod Devin and goat cinematographer he was like sometimes it'll just cut to will to ruffalo making a face and you'll just bust out laughing it's just one of the funniest performances of all time yeah yeah no i mark ruffalo and this is like it it it, it i mean I, I agree with Devin. it's like pretty much the funniest performance i think i've seen in like my maybe in my entire life like it, it is quite frankly i i, I did it's not like know Willem, what it like was gonna Will Ferrell and Step Brothers level funny like it's not this is yeah. like funny like this is like all caps funny you know i i would go as far as to say like even aside from his performance like i think you know i we've gotten a lot of studio comedies and we got like a lot of like 
you know, funny, you know, not necessarily comedies, but we've got like movies that are balancing tones, but are ultimately a very funny movie. Um, this is the funniest movie I've seen since like COVID, like uh-huh. since 2019. Like this is the mm-hmm. funniest movie I've seen in a long time. Um, I laughed. I, I was shocked at how much I laughed mm-hmm. with this movie. Um, I did not expect that at all. I knew it would be like funny because I think the favorite is funny. I think the lobster is funny. I think Killers, Kill, uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer is, has like moments where it's mm-hmm. funny, darkly, very darkly, but it, it is funny at points. Well, they're, they're funny in that kind of the Kubrick funny where it's this is really dark and this is really dry, but this is like full out like hilarious stuff. Oh, there are like lines that fucking gobsmack you at like how good they are. Um, it It's just like, it's so like, I mean, especially Mark Ruffalo, like, mm-hmm. I mean to keep going back to him there are like line readings in this movie that are like how do you even like you know he sees it on paper and it's already it's already pretty funny but then he adds like so much to it and it is just like the funniest like it's already a pretty funny line but he'll like his timing his delivery his Mm -hmm. mannerisms the way he'll like pause and make the dumbest fucking face you've ever seen before he says the dumbest fucking thing you've ever heard it's 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 incredible it is a perfect amalgamation of timing restraint execution Mm -hmm. delivery it is like it it is incredible tour de force of a performance i i am amazed by mark ruffalo in this movie he and i don't say that lightly because i mean i love mark ruffalo but i'm not one to you know like blindly throughout like best of Mm -hmm. all time claims you know i like to reserve that you know much to the dismay of a lot of our friends i am notorious (laughs) for withholding five out of fives for certain movies you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i when I give out a perfect score for a movie, I want to be like, yeah, I fully believe that. I stand behind saying that's a masterpiece. I don't see anything wrong with that movie. And if I say anything is the best of all time, whether it's a performance or a movie itself or anything, I want to like be able to stick to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have no hesitation in saying it has like two, maybe three of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. It has some of the most stunning production value I've ever seen in any film ever. Yeah, we didn't even touch Uh, on that. Cinematography is gorgeous. Um, uh, The score is, it's immaculate. It is, it's incredible. Um, not even just getting into the themes like what the movie's about about like liberation and humanity and learning and growing and evolving like how awoke the movie was but other than that (laughs) well i mean it's just like i because i mean there is like you know the you could you could take it from the approach of like you know it's almost like a demented barbie Mm -hmm. where it's like what it means to be a woman but like in a very perverse kind of way but it, there's also even aside from like the womanhood aspect of it, I think it also just has a lot to say about like humanity and you know mm-hmm. how far we've come in evolution and yeah. like, um, are we really that advanced? Are we really mm-hmm. that like you know evolved? And what you know that's just like the base question. Like I don't want to spoil like the answers and the rabbit holes it goes down, but it is like a very fascinating. Um, depiction of like humanity and sexuality and mm-hmm. psychology and you know all that good stuff and, just, and too, like, it, it's kind of on this like you said where it, you, there is kind of this kind of strong kind of feminist message throughout the film kind of this feminist story kind of this woman coming of age mm-hmm. and kind of confronting kind of the real world and kind of how that affects her 
but mm-hmm. it, at the core of it, it is it is that it's 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 getting at something universal. It is get it's a gener it's kind of it's through the it's through the a, a feminine lens. But it's so the story is so kind of the emotions and the themes are so well presented that there's no barrier to entry for any any anybody can really kind of relate to the film. It's there's there's something for everybody. It's not just a there's no kind of there's no walls up in the film. The film is this kind of wide open exploration of all these themes. Yeah, I think. For some people, I could see some people being a little bit, you know, off-put by like the uh, the sexuality and like mm-hmm. the uh, excessive nudity in the <laughs> film. Which I mean, you know, whatever. Like if you're if you're not into that kind you're of just shit, a loser. But not I, I mean, like whatever. I mean, I I don't want to judge, but if you're not into it, it might not be the film for you. But if you can like overlook any of that stuff, or even if you're just like you know, if you're cool and you're like, yeah, you know, it's like I, it's like <laughs> it's just kind of a perfect movie. Like I mean, I just I I really had no gripes with it. I was just constantly in a state of awe with it, and from the moment it began to the second it ended, I was utterly transfixed. I remember when it ended, uh, we just stared at the credits. Mm-hmm. We were just like watching the credits play out. Um, and I, and I did not even like tell you anything until like we got to the lobby. I was just like, I, I couldn't even speak. I, I was like, I can't even look at Joe right now. I was like, yeah, I just didn't know how right I was. No, really. I mean, I, and again, I'm a, I'm a Yorgos fanboy, but like, uh, much, I, you know, it's funny to go from like May, December to this, but mm-hmm. it is a very similar thing where I'm like, okay, this is a director I really admire. All right. Well, here's just his casually, his best movie, uh, mm-hmm. you'll ever make probably, uh, maybe who knows maybe he'll top this next year who knows yeah with and yeah who knows i mean i can't i mean it's hard to imagine that it's he makes something even more crazy than this but uh you know that's just kind of the name of the game i'm sure he has it on him so who knows Dude, the thing you gotta think about too is that this is he's he's doing a he's two movies ahead. this is in the rear view for him like he's already so it'll be interesting to see how and is because the fact that he's already working on his follow-up to and it's like poor things is two movies ago so it's how has he grown so it's going to be i think watching the following his career over the next few years is going to be quite interesting because there is kind of a it's interesting to talk about may december and this because these are both films i'd give tens to and it's like they're kind of on complete opposite ends of the spectrum where mm-hmm. may december is this weird avant kind of or weird kind of art house bizarre movie uh and this is also kind of a bizarre art house movie but they just go about may december is this kind of quiet kind of meditative kind of uh thought-provoking thing Mm -hmm. and the four things is this bombastic explosive kind of celebratory it does in a lot of ways it does feel like a magnum opus though i mean i it'll be interesting to see if he does top this but there is kind of that there will be blood kind of Mm -hmm. this is this is the fucking here he's like hello you know yep this is him fucking you know he's at this is him on he's on the mountaintop with the the ten commandments with this movie, would you know? would you say he has jordans on when he's driving i think movie? he has jordans on i think he's got jordans on <laughs> i think so too i think this is uh the most jordans on direct mm-hmm. movie i've ever seen in my life I, yeah, I he's think wearing ray-bans i'll say he was directing yeah. this with ray-bans on do, do, well okay but do you think he has the snapback on he's got this do you even have to ask I no, you're right. That's a silly question. I just think he he definitely had some talkies before he went on set, and I, <laughs> I, I maybe a four loco, and I think he knew what he was doing. And I mm-hmm. he had a truly on standby. He had a he had a PA holding a truly with him. 
I think, uh, you know, I think him and Ruffalo definitely had some trulies. Um, but uh, <laughs> so Ruffalo was eating McDonald's off screen. We'll just say that. He, I think Emma Stone had a biggie bag. That's all. <laughs> I think. I... <laughs> that's got to be next time you see it again. You got that's got to be your letterbox review. You know, Emma Stone had a biggie bag on set. <laughs> and guess what? She didn't substitute the uh, the Baconator. She she kept that shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I mean, this movie really is like a Raising Cane's box with a, you know, sub the coleslaw for extra bread. Like, it really is, I think. I, that's it, that's just the kind of movie it is. Yeah, and if you don't agree, go fuck yourself. That's, um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, liberals. Sorry, liberals. Um, so, yeah, 10 out of 10, uh, one of the best movies of the year. I refuse to tell Joe what my favorite movie of the year is, but... You know, I, we'll, after this review, I have a hunch. <laughs> um, I mean, you may be surprised. You may be okay. surprised. Um, but because I've given out six ten out of tens this year, so you may be surprised what my uh, number one ends up being. Uh, but let's see. Um, okay, and then our last pick of the night was uh, a little ditty called Maestro, directed by one Bradley Cooper. And uh, Joey, you uh, another one where you saw it Niff, and you uh, you really hyped the shit out of this movie for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there was a you know a, a kind of a negative uh, kind of buzz around this movie. It's weird to think that there's Bradley Cooper fatigue um, after two movies. I don't know what the vibe. Is. I I was saying a kind of I think on the last episode we were talking about his uh, Oscar chances. He must have pissed somebody off higher up or something <laughs> like that. I don't understand why there's this because for a guy who seems super undeniable. Uh, he is kind of he's a he's kind of got the the uh, he's like a Ben Affleck esque underdog. I don't understand it, but I did yeah. get to see this at NIF, and then we got to see it again. Um, and uh, I know you were a big fan of A Star Is Born. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a big A Star Is Born head, and I, I stand by that. That movie. Um, I was talking to friend of the pod Donato about that, and I was like, I think that movie is very firmly in that camp of like. Um, uh, how do I put it? Like uh, a, a Titanic, I think, where it's a very accessible movie. It's a very romantic movie that is for the masses. But, you know, with that being said, I think it's one of those movies that really pulls it off. You know what I mean? Like it, it's for the masses, but it's also a piece of art in an equal measure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, th- with this and too, I, I think that there was kind of this sentiment with that movie that you know, it was, uh, you know, that Bradley Cooper is this is something he's serious about. This isn't just something he's he's trying out that he really kind of he, he wants to be a filmmaker and he wants to be taken seriously as a filmmaker. Um, and then Maestro is his follow up to that film. Um, it was supposed to Scorsese was supposed to direct it at one point. Then Spielberg was supposed to direct it at one point. Uh, but he, he Bradley got in his hands and needs and begged Spielberg to give him the, the green light. And uh, old Fableman did. And uh, now we have Maestro. Yeah, it's uh, dude, this movie is uh, well, I I think you are like slightly higher on it than I am, like just a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I think you're you're pretty like gung ho about it, I, and I love it. I think this is a great movie. Um, it is undeniable that as a big Bradley Cooper stand, I am just like jazzed to see him, uh, you know, putting in the work and getting these results. Um, because it is pretty staggering to watch a movie with this kind of craft. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. is pretty staggering to watch a movie that is just fully, you know, it's just a full fledged, like, Oh, like, let me just flex on you hoes a little bit. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. 
and every piece of this movie is just so meticulous and it's so like you know interesting and just how it operates and for the first act you're just kind of like holy fuck like you're just kind of along for the ride you know you you know it's just very seamless the way it goes from like set piece to time period to you know the use of color and sound and like uh flashback and aspect ratio it's all like so fucking like i mean i hate you know i hate to use the pun but it's like a maestro is behind mm-hmm. the camera truly. yeah and um you know i we often cite the example of like it feels like this is a young person directing it relatively in the grand scheme of things, but it feels like a master at play. Like it feels like someone who's been doing it for like years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I thought about Maestro. I, it feels like a, like a late, uh, late score, like Scors- or Scorsese or like a, uh, a late uh, term, like a Spielberg joint almost. Mm-hmm. But no, of course it's a second feature from uh, Bradley Cooper, who is, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, he's so young as a director well it's kind of the your famous your i mean when adam put his review of hereditary up did you know that i would be quoting it all these years later i don't even know what you're referring to you said in the interview that this is a movie this is his second film but it is a movie that on one hand has all of the technical mastery and the filmmaking chops of an old pro but at the same time it has all the energy and all of the kind of attitude of a first-time filmmaker, and I, I think that this is kind of this is his. You know, I was gone for a minute, but I'm back now. Um, and he's, I think, he, I think he's really showing us that he's not he's not playing around. He really he's going for the gold with this one. Um, and I think that like all great films, it, it does it kind of it, 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 there's this. He's trying to he's trying to he's trying to fly with this movie. He's trying to he's he's really really going for it in a really really big way. And I, the film is a little rough around the edges, um, and it might be a little. Not that I won't say too much to to he. I'm not gonna say he bit off more than he could chew, but it does kind of fall into maybe some of the pacing issues or focus issues of a sophomore film that usually they usually have. But um, at the same time, there's some of the most kind of, I mean, the oh my goodness, the way that this film is shot is amazing, and the kind of these incredible mm-hmm. sequences that he's able to do, and it's kind of it's able to do both. On one hand, he'll do these incredible like one take sequences where you're like, I can't believe you haven't cut now, and then on the other hand, there are these intricate musical numbers and these kind of, I mean, it does. There is this sense that this this movie is is flowing out of him, and then at the same time, there's this really thoughtful screenplay that's uh, seemingly about everything. Um, and there's kind of this, this kind of central figure of, of Leonard Bernstein. I mean, he gives, he gives an incredible, incredible performance. Uh, he does so much with it. Um, he, it's, it's kind of, uh, the, it kind of goes over life. And I, we had a friend compare this to Ray at the end of the movie. And I almost stabbed him in the face because the. Listeners, I've never seen Joe like more. He didn't even say anything. Just like the look of disgust and like. Like just like anger on his face, I've never seen it from him before. Just uh, I, just the thought that this is a music <laughs> biopic, it just seems blasphemous to me. I just think that how do you? Yeah, this is like Bohemian Rhapsody or something. I mean, this is. Right. I mean, this is a this is a proper film, and I think Bradley Cooper. I think I do think it is. There's this kind of like these kind of wowing moments, but there is that he's just getting started quality to it. Um, mm-hmm. And this really is. I mean, we said the thought this is one of the best run this these this three episode this three movie episode these are three of the best movies we've ever talked about yeah um, and uh it's uh you know i i think maestro is 
one of the best movies of the year. I think it's kind of crazy that this isn't like a front runner. Um, and I, I felt the same way about Bardo and Babylon last year, but those mm-hmm. are definitely kind of my, my taste type movies. But this just seems like a no brainer. I just can't, this seems like something the Academy would be fucking slurping up. I'm surprised that they're not going for it. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll uh, see. So. We're, <laughs> we're not there yet, but I mean, I, I do agree. I, I mean, I said on the Oscar pod, uh, which I believe, yeah, this this releases after that. So uh, you, you damn listeners should have listened to that episode. But um, I did kind of equate it with its Oscar chances to like a women talking or like the whale or something mm-hmm. uh, where I, I, you know, I think it'll get in, but it's not going to get like a lot of love. Um, I, I OK, so I'm going to play like a, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but. I do want to say I can kind of understand not that I under, not that I agree with it, but I do see where it may leave some not only just Oscar voters, but just viewers in general, a little bit cold, because I think, you know, there is a trade off there, right, where, you know, you say that this isn't a traditional musical biopic, mm-hmm. and I love that for it. I think that makes it a better film. But on the other hand having it be less traditional does make it a little less accessible. I think Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of this movie does, it it asks a lot of the audience to, you know, to kind of put aside traditional narrative and character growth and progression and what you're used to seeing, like almost like the Dewey Cox formula. I think (laughs) this movie actively tries to avoid, I believe. And uh, I really admire that for it, but I do think it will leave a lot of people cold because you do go, um, there's like massive time jumps in this movie. Yeah. And there's, where, mm-hmm. yeah, so. like you just, well, you're like kind of like asked to like go along with it where you're like, okay, there's like massive chunks of time that we passed by and you kind of have to pick up the pieces and be like, oh, okay. So like they are together, but like there is this like, um, you know, there's something clearly happened or mm-hmm. there's a difference of like mood and tone and you kind of just have to put the pieces together, which I think is very stimulating and mm-hmm. I find it very rewarding as a viewer. Mm-hmm. But I can also see where, you know, someone would not feel that way necessarily. Too, the, 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 that's a good point. And to that, there's not really there's a narrative to the film, but it is this is not a kind of set up payoff film. It's more about mm-hmm. the how the perspectives of the characters evolve over their lives and how yeah. the relationships develop between them. And it kind of as opposed to being kind of a pointed narrative with something direct to say, it's, it's kind of uh, an exploration of the themes that arise uh, through the relationships of these people. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a character study, not only in the sense where you, you know, hone in on, you know, Little Bird seen as a guy himself and uh, as you, you know, watch all of his achievements, but also how the people in his life are affected by his actions and uh, the good and the bad that come with his genius and hubris. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that is uh, really, honestly, masterfully done. And I think the uh, shining uh, star of this film is just the uh, approach of it, how it neither, you know, victimizes or glorifies Leonard Bernstein. It shows, you know, he makes him very human. He has his good days and his bad days. He has his bad qualities, his good qualities. He's obviously a genius, but that doesn't absolve him of wrongdoing or, you know, Mm -hmm neglecting his duties as a husband or a father or you know so on and so forth but it also doesn't negate the fact that he's a human who had very serious issues and he had Mm -hmm. a lot of trouble emotionally and coming to terms with not only his sexuality but also accepting 
who he is as a person and Mm -hmm. as an artist and it's just it's very layered and it's very but it's also very subdued and it's not like you know trying to paint you know spell everything out for you as an audience member you're you're left your own devices a bit in a good way it kind of falls in line too we're getting a lot of uh kind of real world stories this year um and they're kind of with kind of Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, this or um, Priscilla, where I kind of that they, they're all kind of they they kind of at the center of these films are kind of these morally gray people, um, and uh, not nice. Maybe I wouldn't say I wouldn't. I mean, Leonard Bernstein's not on the same level as like Oppenheimer or Leo and in uh, right. uh, killers but the idea that there are these kind of complex characters at the center of these films that's a better way to say it the complex characters at the center of these films um and kind of as opposed to kind of doing a, a hollywood version of it they choose to kind of truthfully explore these characters and that's to me far more interesting it's kind of and far, far more kind of like you said stimulating and kind of thought-provoking um it's kind of weird to put those movies together but no, i get what you mean yeah uh, it was kind of a uh, i was doing a hail mary point there but um it's kind of again yeah it's this that they're, that they're being honest with it where there's kind of this kind of it would be easy to do a version of this movie where uh, carrie mulligan and them hate each other and there's kind of this this kind of rivalry between the two of them or do the opposite where they're this perfectly happy couple but it's much more interesting to portray what actually happened between the two of them and to kind of actually kind of earnestly portray the romance that they had um and kind of the even to the relationship with the children and the relationship with the people around them it's uh it's again. It's it's a it's a it's quite a too. It's a, it's it's got kind of the the energy and the spunk of a, of, of a second film, but it's got the it's got the maturity in it as well. Um, and too, to, to hear that Bradley at one point Bradley Cooper when he was like a little kid wanted to be a conductor, and this has kind of always been something kind of stirring in him. Um, I think that you can see that all on screen. And to Carrie Mulligan, we haven't. I don't know if we mentioned her yet, but she's amazing in this movie. She gives an yeah. excellent, excellent performance. Yeah, she she's quite. Uh, incredible in this movie there is a uh well i wasn't say there's a scene at the end but there there's a quite a handful of scenes in the third act where she is uh utterly devastating and even before that point she's great but uh the, in the third act she really comes to play i think mm-hmm. um same with uh bradley i think he he really is transcendent here you know we talk about like his uh direction a lot and obviously you know rightfully so he's great behind the camera but um you know he he's also a hell of a performer um i did give this movie a bit of flack because i did say before it came out that the makeup looked a little bit goofy um and i did want to clarify that that is because i just genuinely have a i kind of explained it to joe before or after the movie i can't remember but i have a little bit of distaste for like you know heavily makeup performances i mm-hmm. like i just don't you know i just i maybe i've just trained myself to not to see it and i'm like you know that's kind of lame you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i can admit when i'm wrong um i think when you are in the film itself, uh, it, it completely goes away. You are like just immersed within, um, you know, all that stuff. And honestly, the the makeup, it, it's such a, it's only really done in a few sequences. You know, he, you don't, it, without giving it away, I mean, you don't really get a lot of time with that, Leonard. It's mm-hmm. just kind of spliced uh, at the beginning and ended like a little bit in the middle. Uh, you know, like it, it's mostly just uh, Bradley acting you know, uh, without the makeup. But I, and also though, I can't imagine him playing the older Leonard without the makeup. So I concede it all worked perfectly. I have no issues with it. It, it, it all worked perfectly as far as that goes. Um, and, uh, two kind of weird, interesting that, uh, 
Jeremy Strong was supposed to be in this at one point. I would have loved to have seen that. I imagine Cooper could have gotten a great performance out of him. I guess he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Um. So wait, who who was he gonna play? Do you think? I think it, it was. Uh, I think the story was that he was supposed to. It was like a cut scene. It was like he like rewrote part of the script. Okay, I, I yeah, think I think it might have been the biographer, the guy who's interviewing him when he's got the sweater oh, on. Oh, oh, I think yeah, that's right. who he was supposed to be playing, but uh, yeah, because he dropped that out one guy worked it. That one guy plays him now, which I'm um, not to you know describe. You know who I'm talking about? But that yeah. one wasn't he an Oppenheimer? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, this is not for listeners. This means nothing to you guys, but I. Uh, but yeah, the the guy he he's been in a lot. Uh, recently but i'm pretty sure he was an oppenheimer as uh oppenheimer's friend but um yeah that's interesting if um there's a whole other section of jeremy strong that was cut uh, or you know written but not adapted but um yeah i mean you know it, it really is i mean everyone else in the film is pretty good you know i, I don't think there's really a standout other than because uh, i mean i like matt bomer or uh but i don't necessarily think he's in it quite enough to make an impression um, Maya Hawkins and Sarah Silverman are good. <laughs> I think Sarah Silverman's like uh, pretty decent in this. I mean, it's my Hawk's okay. I don't think she. I I do kind of question how much range my Hawk has as an actress. Mm-hmm. I think I she, haven't seen Stranger Things, so this was like a new performance for me. I, I was okay. like, I know yeah. her in Asteroid City and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and I like I like her and stuff I see her in, but I haven't like been blown away by her. Um. I think she's fine in this. Like, definitely not a bad performance or anything. I just don't like, you know. And, and I think a lot of that has it's less to do with like her as a performer. I think it's just really is the Bradley Cooper, Carrie Mulligan show. And in that regard, it is uh, it's pretty fantastic. They're both uh, their chemistry together is great. Their individual performances are fantastic. Um, it, it, it's a devastating portrait of of a relationship, but also as an artist and uh, the price you pay. For being a genius and mm-hmm. while that seems like a tired trope and it seems like that's been done to death and maybe it has but it hasn't been done uh via bradley cooper's voice and uh lens and i think uh that alone makes it a very well, good too but, like fucking they did a stars born before but b coops hadn't done it yet yeah no i 100 i i think um a star is born easily you know justified its, its existence from the moment it began and it was immediately the best one you know what i mean and i think this is uh you know him doing a very loving but honest portrait of one of the best artists of all time mm-hmm. just period you know and i think it's uh i, I think it'll it, i think it'll age like fine wine you know whether or not it gets the best picture nomination remains to be seen but i think it, time will serve this movie well in the long run yeah, I think uh, and two another one put on fucking Blu-ray, you cowards. I think this will definitely get a uh, Criterion release, especially if it's you know kind of revered strongly among like film fans. I think it it, it kind of feels like uh, this would go great with my all that jazz, you know, Criterion. Like I think it's mm-hmm. it's destined to be on the on the shelf. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, so my wish list this year for Netflix Criterion's give me the killer. Give me maybe December and give me Maestro. You got to do it. Mm -hmm. You got to do it. Also, Um, give us fucking to five bloods and I'm thinking of ending things already. I can't believe I'm thinking of ending things doesn't have a criterion. That's kind of crazy. There's a Spike Lee movie and a Charlie Kaufman movie that is only available on the fucking Netflix servers. 
That's fucking crazy. You gotta you gotta give them you gotta give the people what they want, and they wanna. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of any things into Five Bloods Blu-ray. Um, I talk about this all the time. I'm the only person still talking about this, but I'm never gonna stop. I want it. <laughs> well, I, people who aren't into movies. I'm like, isn't it crazy that I'm thinking about anything that isn't on Blu-ray anywhere? And then they and they walk cops. away. Yeah, they call the cops. Yeah. I, I'm not allowed back at Walmart. <laughs> You're not allowed back at Applebee's. Uh, yeah. Until, yeah. Um, any any final thoughts on uh, on Maestro? I love you, B. Cooper. I hope your new movie with Will Arnett is good. He's doing he's doing a new movie with Will Arnett. His next movie is called Is This Thing On, and it's him and Will Arnett, uh, and he's directing it and writing it with another guy. And I don't know. There's nothing else known about it. Interesting. I'm really curious about that. I mean, I like Will Arnett. I like. Uh, it seems like Bradley Cooper and Emily Blunt are in it as well. So. Mm. You know, hell, hell yeah, as far as that goes. Let me see. Who's the writer? Oh, it's Will Arnett writing it and Mark Chappell, who direct. He only wrote See How They Run. Which uh, is good. Which, yeah, I like that movie. So I'm kind of curious what yeah. whatever I wonder this if, is going to be. Because we were talking about this at the after the movie about how the maestro, as for as emotional of a film it is and how thoughtful it is, it is also like all the other, not to the same degree at all of the other two. But it is, it is, there are very funny moments in the film, uh, and he, specifically him, he is very funny in the movie. Um, he's got a couple, there's a bit where he's, uh, he kind of, sh- he kind of jolts a little bit, kind of jokingly, and that got a big laugh from our audience. Um, and then too, there's that scene where he screams in Central Park. Uh, so I, with Will Arnett, I wonder if this is, his next film will be more comedic. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that, and from, you know, having Will Arnett in there, I, I think that sounds very likely, so... You know, I all I can say is I'm very excited to see him evolve as a filmmaker, whether that's doing something completely unexpected or just going even higher in the auteur kind of space. I think, you know, whatever he does next, um, I think me and Joey, I think it's fair to say, will be first in line to see mm. it. So because uh, you have two lifelong fans here, buddy. You you know, we we, we love you. Mm-hmm. We're excited to see what you do next. And that goes to also to Todd Haynes and uh, Yorgos Lanthimos as well, I think. So, uh, yeah, what a what a banger of an episode. Three fantastic films back to back. It's nice to talk about real movies again, buddy. Yeah, dude. I mean, we're out of the woods, brother. It's uh, we're back into even though the writer's strike might have fucked over next year. Twenty twenty three still I mean, there's still heat coming out. You know, we still got your most anticipated Wonka you know, fucking, you know, we've got some fucking Napoleons tomorrow when we're recording yeah. this. Uh, my yeah. favorite, Saltburn. Like, we've still got some heat coming out. Yeah, we got Migration. We got, migration. we got, um, in December, we got The Beekeeper. Like, come on, or uh, in January, we, we got, got The Beekeeper. The Kevin Spacey movie, Peter 5 8. <laughs> yeah, man. I, um, you know, we're, we're very happy that WGA got a, got a deal and Cy got a deal and everything, but it is, uh, it is a bit, it, it is, it does stink, but it's, it's a necessary evil, you know, mm-hmm. that has to be done to, to get those fair deals in place. So yeah, when I'm, I said that, yeah, it's the studio's fault. Yeah, it is the studio's fault. We want to be clear about that. Yeah. But, I want to be clear about that. Yeah. So it is, uh, but I, I'm very excited to see. Uh, you know, whatever cinema has to offer next year, I'm excited to see it. But God, even if it even even if it is kind of a slow year next year, I feel like this is almost like a repeat. I don't want to 
call it quite a 2019 because 2019 is just like on another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is quite a fantastic year. I think it is easily the best of the 2020s so far. And I think it even rivals some of the 2010s. Like I think it it's up there with like a 2017 or 2018, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to say it was a 2017 or a 2016 maybe? I think 2016 is different. I mean, 2016 is like the, I mean, I think the Moonlight, La La Land, Arrival, Triple Header is like, mm-hmm. that is like, that is just. Silence. Is silence. Like Swiss Army Man, Nice Guys, Pop Star. 20th Century Women, uh, uh, Green Room, The Lobster, uh, The Witch that year. Um, the movie you head. haven't seen, Operation Avalanche, Swiss yeah. Army Man, Jackie. Jackie, Jackie's a great movie. Um, Elvis and Nixon. Yeah, your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> um, I <laughs> Passengers, come on. I mean, there's so many great movies. Passengers, Jack Reacher, Shadow Recruit, fucking. No, that was 2014. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to. Now you're just listing bullshit. Yeah. Um, the Dude, Handmaiden. So... Now I'm looking. The Handmaiden, Manchester by the Sea, uh, Patterson. I liked. Uh, yeah, man, there's some good-ass movies from 2016. Um, so, I don't know. I would say this is more on par with, like, a 2017 or 18, I think. Yeah, I could give 2017. Yeah, Blade Runner, Phantom Thread, Killing a Sacred Deer, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That's the official decree is that this year was, like, 2017. Yeah, and you know what? That means we're, like, two years away from another 2019. Actually, that makes perfect sense. If Next year is going to be the kind of slow year, mm-hmm. but 20... Uh, 2025 is the year we get the next PTA. We get the final Tarantino. We get uh, maybe, maybe, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know if it'll happen going off our luck, but maybe what if we got the wager in 2025? Mm-hmm. How crazy would that be? Um, maybe you know, we'll what finally if we... get the Terrence Malick Jesus movie that has was shot four years ago. I, I would never count on that. I would never count on that. Um, but yeah, man, there's uh, there's so much in there. We're, 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 we're so back. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, until next time, uh, is there anything you want to anything you want to plug before we go? Um, when is this one coming out? Uh, uh, so I'm playing. Let's say I'm going to release <laughs> it on uh, no, December, th- uh, December 1st. Let's say that December 1st, maybe at the end of the month, something will come out. All right. We'll look on the uh, AOK YouTube channel for that. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at um, Adam underscore not Sandler and uh, Letterboxd and other podcasts, Lineal Canon. And we will be back uh, later this month for, you know, whatever we want to cover. Who knows? Who knows what's worth it? I don't want to, you know, blindly say that we're going to cover stuff in case it, it's a big stinker. But, you know, whatever is worth talking about, we'll talk about it and uh, we'll definitely have uh, Oscar predictions for December and uh, best of the year episode at the end of the month. So uh, tune in for that. And until next time, gamers, keep on gaming, keep on loving cinema, and uh, keep on keeping on. Bye, guys.